started a series last week and I made this opening statement that living things grow, right? And I would also say that healthy things grow. God's desire is for you to grow. God's desire is that a church be healthy and that a church grow also. We're looking at some if statements that Jesus made. Listen, this idea of following Jesus, it's a big deal and it's costly. It is not for the faint of heart. It's not just a laissez-faire approach. When Jesus says, if you're my disciple, he begins to lay some things out, some requirements, some things that would prove to not just one another, but to the world that we belong to him. Last week in John chapter 13, he says, you are my disciple if you love one another, right? We know the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? The second one, every good Jewish boy knew that. The Torah spoke to that. But, but, but Jesus says the second is almost as great as the first, and it is to love your neighbor as yourself. Let's be real. It's hard sometimes to love people, isn't it? But come on, have you grown a little bit in that this week? I loved hearing a comment from somebody that they say, hey, listen, I just, I, my perspective towards certain people has shifted by work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I used to look at people and, 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 and I wouldn't have anything to do with them based maybe on, on what they did, where they were from, the color of their skin. But the Lord did a work in my life and I now see people as creations of God that he loves dearly. Amen. Isn't that a great perspective? And when we begin to see people from those lenses and, and, and not base our love on, on their performance or who they are or what they can do for us, right? but begin to see people as created beings by God whom he loves dearly, I'm, that just shifts and changes our perspective. Well, today I have another if statement that Jesus says, you're my disciple if. And, and, and I, wanna, I wanna give a shout out to, to my upbringing for just a moment. I grew up in the church and I grew up loving the church and I still love the church. I've not given up on the church and, and neither has Jesus. So I think I'm in good company. He's going to continue to do his work through this vehicle called the church, the bride, the body of Christ. But, but my experiences of church were always good. And I, I, I sent a note out to the staff this morning. I was just thinking about that. I'm so thankful. One of the greatest things my parents did for me as a kid was that they drugged me to church. They drug me there. There were times in which maybe I didn't want to go, but, but my parents were faithful to that. And they continued to, to drag me, not just Sunday mornings, but Sunday nights. Come on, somebody. It was so good. We loved Monday nights where I grew up too, and even Wednesday nights. I'm telling you, we were there all the time. And I'm so thankful that my parents um, uh, instilled something in me about gathering in the house of the Lord. That's where I met Jesus. That's where I begin to grow in my relationship with Jesus. People taught me and, and, and corrected me, right? Man, I, how many times was I escorted out from the front row all the way out for a little whooping, right? <laughs> Do not spare the rod, the rod of correction. My daddy believed in that. Hallelujah. Come on, clap if you know what I'm talking about. I also want you to clap if you know somebody that could use a good one right now. Hallelujah. Don't be pointing fingers. That's embarrassing, all right? I was also surrounded by people that became family, a spiritual family to me. I, that's what I love what Pastor Todd was baptizing just a few months ago. He said, I now call you my brother or sister. We're not blood family, 
we're, we're, we're family because of the blood of Jesus, amen? And, and we're now, but I love my spiritual community. I love my spiritual family. It was in the local church that, that, that I was able to be involved in making a difference in the world because on my own, and I don't know about you, but, but we're pretty self-centered and self-focused, but I loved having pastors or leaders that, that would plan activities or things that got my focus off of me and how I could be Jesus in the world around me. I'm thankful for what I grew up in the church. One of the things, the church that I grew up in had a great appreciation for the word of God, Amen. I love the Word of God. I don't know if you ever read your Bible, uh, but I'm telling you, I just, I, I've searched to and fro, fro and to, and I found that God's Word is a great guide in our lives today. Amen? Okay, not many people believe that. So maybe, Holy Spirit, come and do what you do in the midst of this sermon and correct us, right? God's Word became kind of my filter for life. I'm not saying that I've always done everything that it said. My, my family could bear witness to that, that I still miss it sometimes, right? But, 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 but I'm telling you, of all the things that, if there is a standard for us to live our lives by, Jesus says, if you're my disciple, in fact, let's just, can I just tell you what he said? In John chapter eight, beginning in verse 31, Jesus says this. Jesus said to those who believed in him, the Jews, he said, if you abide in my word, some translations say, if you remain faithful to my teachings, but if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you or make you free. Listen, that word abide in, the, in, in, in scripture means that something takes home in us, takes up residency. It's not just something that is a casual approach. No, it actually becomes a part of who we are. Jesus would say something like this in John chapter 15, I'm the vine and you are the branches and if you abide in me, what happens? Well, you produce fruit. All of you horticultures, that horticulture, arborists, whatever you wanna call it, if you know how things grow, you know that if a vine is attached to, to if a branch is attached to a vine, it's gonna produce that, correct? Jesus says, as long as you're connected to me, you're going to produce fruit. You're going to produce the Jesus kind of fruit. Listen, this word abide means that when, 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 when I take God's word, it abides. It becomes a part of who I am. It begins to affect how I, my, my beliefs. It affects what I place my trust in. Are you abiding? Are you placing your belief? Are you placing your trust in the word of God? That belief, that trust then leads me to actually being obedient to what it says. See, that's why I got escorted out of worship service so many times as a kid, because my daddy would tell me to do something, but I didn't do it. And when I didn't did it, well, you know what happened. Lord, people pray for me. I said that one Sunday, leave it. People, please pray for me. Awful, awful. My daddy had a belt, I've told you this, with his name engraved in leather on the back of it. It's hanging in my closet today. It is a perpetual reminder of what a sinner I was as a kid growing up. Still am. But, but, but my daddy would tell me things, and if I didn't do it, there were repercussions. So many of us are missing out on this abundant life that Jesus has said he came to give us in John chapter 10 because we're not doing the things that he's called us to do. And we listen to other voices. We listen to other things, and we feel like, hey, that must be what life is all about. Jesus says, let my word abide in you. You are my disciple. A disciple is a follower. Listen, every one of us in this room today and every one of you that are watching online, you are a disciple of something or someone. 
You are latching your focus on. You are latching your belief system. You are placing your trust in something or someone. What are you following? Who are you following? We follow sports figures. We follow news anchors. We follow so many people in life. And we believe for some of us that their opinion and what they say must be truth. Well, Jesus says here in John chapter 8, verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus would say in other places that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Hey, for those of you that are searching today for what truth is, I'm telling you, your search ends today if you'll just say yes to Jesus. If you'll get back to who he is, if you will orient your life and your belief system based on Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, you can't go wrong. Come on, how many of you have tasted and you've seen, you know that the Lord is good. He is the way, the truth, and the life. When I read God's word, It's not just a book of information, but literally God's word can transform your life. It can change you if you will let it. And we say this oftentimes around here that God, uh, you know, that that, that, um, truth is not discovered, it's revealed. It's revealed by a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we get into the word of God. Are you allowing the word of God to transform your life? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Even that right there tells us that scripture is truth. That if you want to know the truth, get in God's word. All scripture. Hey, listen, I believe the Bible from the front to this Bible belongs to, to all the maps in the back. I believe it all. All scripture is inspired by God. It teaches us what is truth. It helps us to realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17 says, God uses it to prepare his people, equip his people to do every good work. What are you following? As a disciple of Jesus, have you allowed the truth of scripture to abide, take up residency, make its home in your life? Or is it just something that you casually flip through uh, whenever somebody says, would you take out your Bibles or take out your device, right? And look up, or has the word of God literally transformed and changed your life? You know, there are a lot of people that, that are searching for truth. They're, they're trying to determine what can I follow that will, 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 will really be you know, true north. Pastor Angie prayed that, right? There are so many people that say we believe the Bible, but I just don't know if we actually believe it enough that we live it out, right? In fact, I would say that if you preach it, you need to live it. That if you preach scripture, if you speak it, if you say it over somebody, you better live that out. I think that that's what's kept so many people outside of the body of Christ is because they see and they hear how some of us within the body speak and and what we say we believe in, but then they just don't see the difference, the transformation that the word of God brings in us. Am I talking to anybody? Come on, somebody. They use a word called hypocrite a lot of times. Have you heard that about church people? Oh, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Well, you're just a sinner too, and you better get your tail. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I could say that, but I'm a preacher, and I can't say what I really want to say to people. I'm supposed to love people, right? Man, it's hard. I'm telling you, man. Tony, that flesh wants to rise up and just eat somebody's head. I want to bulldog somebody, right? 
But they say that about us. You know why? Because we've done a good job of speaking and preaching and teaching and pointing our fingers and blah, blah, blah. You can't do this. But then our lives aren't any different. You see, somebody who's a disciple, somebody who has the word of God abiding in their lives, they're transformed by that. And their lives are different. If you preach it, make sure you live it. Jesus knew that this would be a problem with us in 2021. But it wasn't just a problem in our day and age. It was actually a problem back in Matthew chapter 23 with a group of religious people called the Pharisees. In fact, listen to the words of Jesus in in 23, beginning verse one. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. Wow, isn't that awesome? I'm the official. Man, if you really wanna know, man, you better come to me. I am the soul. I am Wicca, Wicca, Wikipedia when it comes to this, right? The teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official, official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey everything they tell you, comma, but don't follow their example for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. You see the, yeah, somebody whistled. I liked it. By the way, I loved when Pastor Chai said, hey, if you've seen a miracle of God in your life, raise your hand. I saw a gentleman, a brother back here. You raised two hands. I love that, brother. Amen. Somebody raised two hands and a foot in the first service that fell out. I thought we have a slain in the spirit moment. It was awesome. The Pharisees wanted to be known as people that understood what holiness was. They just never lived holy lives. They wanted to be the ones that were known as the ones who could officially interpret the truth. They just were never concerned of living out the truth. See, that's what concerns me with the church of Jesus Christ today is that we have so many of us that say, yeah, we read the Bible, we just don't live it out. Or yeah, we believe that God's word is true and we believe that it can guide us and we know all the verses, but we've just not truly let it transform our lives. Am I talking to anybody today? You're going to follow something. There is someone or something that has become the standard for you, and you're following that. You're a disciple of that. You are. You are. Uh, I mentioned a book last week called by Eugene Peterson, uh, uh, a book entitled uh, um, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, and and, and, and I love a little, little thought that I, I found um, in relation to, to what Peterson, he used a, a Friedrich Nietzsche um, um, quote from one of his books entitled Beyond Good and Evil. Now, we know that Nietzsche was a moral relativist. He started out in the faith. He knew some things of, of the faith, but, but left that and becomes a, a moral relativist. And, but, but, but Peterson, I love in this book, a, a Long Obedience in the Same Direction. You see, that's discipleship. Listen, so many of us buck out and we bail out of discipleship because it's not a quick fix. It's a process. It's a journey. I mean, listen, Jesus had 12 and he spent three years with them. Whoa. I mean, this is Jesus. He can do anything, but he couldn't work that. I mean, it still took three years with these guys and some of them still bailed out and failed, didn't they? So it's a long journey. It's a structure. It's a process and it's not a quick fix, but, but I love how 
Peterson draws out, Nietzsche said this in this book, Beyond Good and Evil. He said, the essential thing in heaven and earth is that there should be long obedience in the same direction. That's where he drew this in the writing of a book uh, Peterson did. But Nietzsche goes on to say, there thereby results and has always resulted in a long run, something which has made life worth living. Now, Nietzsche wasn't uh, an adherent to the word of God. He was a moral relativist, but even Nietzsche understands something in this statement, that there's got to be some sort of a standard that you begin to pursue. Now, and it's not moral relativism, which says, hey, whatever you feel is right for you. There are no moral absolutes in our culture today, right? And again, we listen to CNN reports. We listen to to what the White House says, or we listen to what LeBron says, and we're just listening to so much of of what culture is all about, right? If, if you know, so-and-so endorses it, I'm on that bandwagon. But there's gotta be some sort of a standard. We can't just continue to flip-flop and bounce around. What, what I love Peterson saying, he says, Nietzsche actually is stealing a, a thought from, from the Old Testament from King Solomon. Solomon who has everything in the world, opulence, women, fame, wealth, riches, everything. And, and I love how Solomon wraps up his book in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. You don't have this, just trust me. But he wraps it up with these words. Here is my final conclusion. I love what Solomon says. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. What's your standard? What are you latching on to? Are you still bouncing around with what is truth? Are you still just listening and following the crowd or what is popular opinion. I'm telling you, what's popular opinion is not always heaven's opinion. And that's our problem. We, we had discussion this week about, hey, we, we need to, what's, what's our view on some of these cultural issues and, and, and trends that we see? Well, you know where I, this pastor's going to start? I'm going to start in the Word of God. I'm not going to Google something to see what so-and-so says. I, I want to know what the Creator of everything has to say about the subject. It's gotta be our truth. It's gotta be our standard. What is yours today? And, and, and by the way, I, I love the group of people that we read about in Acts chapter 17. They were known as the Bereans. And in Acts chapter 17, verse 11 says, the Bereans searched the scriptures day after day to see if what Paul and Silas were teaching if it really was the truth. Listen, I hope that, that you don't ever just take any words that a religious leader or some sort of spiritual guide in your life takes. And I, I pray and hope that we as religious leaders and your, your disciple makers are, are speaking the truth in the Word of God. But, but I think that that's a challenge to us to get into the Word of God to see if what that person's saying actually is truth. Because people can, can get a little sideways. Some theology, can it not, can get a little off, out of line and off whack, wacky, whatever. You know what I'm saying. And I love the approach of the Bereans. That we're going to get in the Word of God and we're going to see if that matches up with what you're saying. What's your standard? Do you know the truth, does God's word abide in your life? I guess my encouragement would be to always evaluate what you hear based on what the Bible says. 
You can't go wrong with that. Does it match up? I don't know. Well, get in the Word. Because Jesus says that that's one of the marks of a person that follows Him. I made a statement last week that that our heart doesn't oftentimes match what our mouth says. We say these things, I love you, man, I love you, and oh, we ought to love one another. Sounds awesome, and I know that's what God's Word said, but our heart's not there, right? And I just want to encourage us to make sure that what we're preaching, we're also living that out. You see, that's what an unbelieving world needs. Our lost culture that we live in, they don't need more programs. They don't need more gatherings. They don't need another slick booklet or a flashy presentation or a new worship song. We got enough. But what they do need is to see the one-third of the world's population to begin to live out what we say we believe. And if we would put that on display, and if we would let them see Jesus in us, I'm telling you, man, they would want what we have. In fact, let me just ask you that today. Are you living your life in such a way that people want what you have? Has the truth of who God is and His Word, has it literally transformed your life? Are you different as a result of it? Or are you still just kind of, I'm back and forth and I feel it today, but I don't know if I believe it tomorrow. No. I pray that we would be people of the Word, that we would let abide in our lives. Why? Because I said so? No. Because Jesus in John 8, 31 says, you're truly my disciples if you abide in my word, if you obey my teachings, if you follow them. I don't want you to follow my teachings because I'm a screw up. I make mistakes. But I'm telling you, the one who says that he's the way, the truth, and the life, well, he is the truth, and I believe that. And for someone here today that's trying to find the truth, he can set you free today. Maybe you're watching us online and I'm telling you, you can be set free today if you would just rest and fall into the truth of who Jesus is and let him come into your life and change you. Your search for purpose, your search for the meaning of life, fountain of youth, whatever, I don't know. Just made that up. But it can end in Jesus, okay? If you will allow him to step into your life, he will set you free. Isn't it interesting that the psalmist, probably David, wrote these words, and we know David from, you know, some blunders and mistakes he made in his life, right? But even he would say, Thy word have I hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. He would say elsewhere, How can a young man keep his way pure by by living in your word? Listen, David knew the word, but there were times in David's life in which he didn't let it abide in him, right? That's why we know of those mistakes. I'm just praying that we would be people that allow the truth of who Jesus is and his word. May it sit and take up residency in our lives and truly transform us. Amen. Is that worth it? Stand with me today. I want to ask our ministry team to come and 
and stand down front with us today. Thank you guys for being here. Hey, listen, for some of you here today, maybe a decision you need to make, and maybe those of you that are watching online, maybe the best decision you can make in your life today is what we saw played out at the beginning of our worship experience today. Maybe today's the day in which you need to say yes to Jesus Christ. That, hey, listen, I've done things in my life that hurt God's heart. I acknowledge that, and I want to Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of those things. And would you, would you come into my life and save me, forgiving me of those sins? And hey, I want to live my life for you, Lord. Is that you today? Do you need to be set free from something? The only way you can be set free is through Jesus. I learned that at the age of nine. And I'm so glad that I said yes to him. I'm praying that for you today. Maybe you're here today and there's just a burden, a pain, a concern that you're carrying. I want to tell you something. Jesus doesn't want you to carry that either. You worried or anxious about something? I'm telling you, he don't want you to carry that either. You facing something that seems insurmountable? Well, listen, he's a way maker. (laughs) He's able to do things that we can't even dream or imagine, right? That's what he does. And so here's the deal. Our team is going to stand down front today. And I've checked their schedules. They'll be here till about 8 o'clock tonight if you want to come. And No, no, no. Here's the deal. I just want to encourage you to obey the Spirit promptly. And I'm going to begin praying now. And even if the Spirit of God is telling you to move to come receive a word of prayer and encouragement, I want you to move even right now. God, I thank you for your presence with us today. Have you felt him? Thank you for your presence because your presence is what brings change and transformation. We don't do that. You do it. And God, I'm praying that right now for someone that needs to say yes to Jesus, that they would let you come into their life and transform them. I'm praying that for someone right now that's hurting. They're hopeless. They're struggling with something. I pray that they would know that, hey, the truth is here today. His name is Jesus and he can set them free. For the person that's shackled down in bondage, they're a slave to something. No, no longer. The chain breaker is here. Miracle working God. Jehovah Rapha, a God who heals, is present today. Come on, obey the Spirit promptly. Do not miss this opportunity to let the truth set you free. And Lord, I'm praying that as we leave this place today, that what we preach, we would live. (laughs) That we would not preach something and live the opposite. Lord, that we would be the people you dreamed of when you created us. Spotless bride, pursuing holiness and giving you glory all along. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Everybody said, thank you guys, you're dismissed.